Welcome to a frantic edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. Um, as always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And I, if you've seen Austin's Twitter lately, uh, you know, his tweet from last night, you'll know that, hand up, I do need to apologize for the delay here. Uh, I did drop the ball this week, uh, you know, prepping for my vacation next week, the full week long. I was trying to wrap up some things at work, you know, do some different things at home and get prepared for it. So that is on me. I do apologize to the listeners, not to Austin, uh, for the delay in getting this one out. Well, somehow, apparently, I became the bad guy. You did all of this. Like, people are like, Austin's such a diva. I was like, it's two hours before the show. Colin's like, oops, I forgot. And I have nothing. And then he makes uh, me get up early on a Saturday. You were already up watching. Somehow, I'm the problem. Somehow you were already I'm, up watching Euros. I would, not, I would not be out of bed right now. It's 9.38 Eastern Standard Time. I don't have kids. I am living the no kids life. I would have been in bed. So I absolutely would have as well. Um, But alas, here we are. Um, So, uh, you know, with mentioning that here at the beginning, I am going to be out next week. um, So you will not hear my sultry tones here. But uh, I do believe Austin has some guests lined up to take my place. Um, So still going to be bringing you the show here. Uh, So, you know, keep tuning in. But these are these clips, these clips, we're going to look back on them as like when um, like the guys that tried out for the office. Have you ever (laughs) seen those outtakes? And it's like um, like uh, Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk, like tried out for for um, Steve Carell's spot. And like and everyone kind of looks back at this fondly. Like that's going to be all the the shows that we do over the couple of weeks that you're gone over the next month um, (laughs) as like the tryout for this for this spot. Um, So. They're like, wow, that guy tried out for the spot on, on Campus Life and he didn't get it? Wow. <laughs> you can't replace Steve Carell, though, you know. Yeah, they tried. Didn't didn't go so well. Did they not. Tried. Did not. Um, although I think that the very last season gets a bad rap. There's some there's some redeeming qualities in that season. I like what? I like Dwight Jr. a lot. One of my favorite episodes is from that last season when um, Dwight and Dwight Jr. go to the father-son suit company to sell them paper and to pretend like they're a father-son. And he's there in the there in the stall like uh, Dwight Jr. is trying on the suit. And he's like, that's not a real island. Cartograph much? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's one of my favorite episodes. It has a lot of really good lines in it. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I like the Dwight Jr.'s line where it's like, women reach their sexual peak at whatever age Jan was last night. <laughs> that's that's another one that I like, too. So I, I, I do like, like I said, I, I, it's definitely not as good as the, like the earlier seasons, but it has some redeeming qualities. Yeah, I've, I've been listening to all of the Office podcasts recently, like the Office oh. Ladies um, with, with Jenna and Angela and then... Um, Kevin has one too, Brian Baumgartner. Oh, uh, it's a little different. He just brings like the the cast in for interviews and kind of asks them, you know, because this was all of their start. Yeah, like, none of them were really anything besides Steve Carell before this, um, or at least most of them. You know, Creed had his uh, musical background, um, right? But so it's just interesting listening to all of them. Like they were like, "Yeah, I was waiting tables through season three because I thought we'd get canceled." Like. You know, I was a, I was a nanny on the weekends, and it's just it's a really incredible listen. Um, but Steve Carell was on this week, so I have to go listen to that episode. I think it's Ooh. gonna be really good. 
Nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll jump in here into the news for this week, and we we talked a little bit about it last week, but obviously the big news this week that we have yet to talk about here is the Julio Jones trade. Uh, you know, we'll, we kind of saw the writing on the wall with him going to Tennessee. Um, so we'll start with the Falcons players here and the impact. Of course, of course. Typical Colin centric line to start off the show here. Worried about his Falcons. That was that was really uncalled for. I mean, I, we already touched on the impact on some of the Titans. So. I'm up at I'm up at nine thirty a.m. doing this damn podcast with you because of you. Well, so. go back to bed. Get up on the other side of it because somebody's a little grumpy this morning. Every morning. Uh, <laughs> I don't schedule calls before like ten thirty if I can help it at work. Oh, I don't either. Um, but anyway, impact on some of the Falcons players here. Obviously, this propels Russell Gage now into the number two role in that wide receiver room. Are we interested in Russell Gage? I think he's actually a sell if you have him. Because I don't think, you know, I think Kyle Pitts is the is the second guy in the wide receiver room. It's not Russell Gage. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I get what's, what's Gage's ceiling, a wide receiver three. What what, what do you think on that? Is that even a little bit high? Like we talked about Jacoby Myers last weekend, like a successful season for him is like wide receiver 40 is Gage that much, you know, and it's a, it's a more, it's a better passing offense. I'm not going to deny that. And they don't have, at least on paper, um, much of a scary uh, backfield to take carries away, but I don't, uh, I, I don't see that much of a ceiling, especially if we're presuming. Like I think I am that Kyle Pitts is the wide receiver too. There, I think it's business as usual for Russell Gage. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think Kyle Pitts gets the biggest stock bump. I think Russell Gage obviously has to see a bump. I mean, I know targets are a uh, more of a talent stat, but there is some element to uh you know just being the guy in the room there he is going to see more targets just for the sheer fact that julio vacated so many so he's going to see a bump in targets i don't know how big of a bump that's going to be i do think you're right i think it's going to shift mostly towards pits um you know but i think that you're right he could be a wide receiver three but he is a sell uh, to me at this point and do you know it wouldn't would it wouldn't even shock me? And I'm not saying that I'm not predicting this per se, but I'm saying if this happened, it would not shock me that he actually is the fourth leading wide rec- or receiver on that team behind um Ridley, Pitts, and then one of Mike Davis or Hayden Hurst. Because they're saying that they're moving Pitts all over the place. Yeah. Like I don't think he's, you know, he's not going to be lining up at your traditional tight end. So it would not shock me if Gage is actually the fourth leading receiver on that team. And that's just why I think you can find a um, not necessarily a sucker, but just someone that's a little more, a little lower on Pitts, Hurst Davis is receiving threats and a little higher on gauge. And if you have gauge, you can sell him for like, like I don't think he's worth a second, but I think you can sell him for a second. Now I would take a future second. Yeah. All week for him. I agree with that. And the thing with second round picks is there's so many players that people are like yeah that guy's worth a second but there's a huge range of guys on that like i would think that adam thielen probably worth a second you know yeah. two but seconds I, I think is what i've seen him generally go two for. 
Yeah. I guess it depends on where it is, but yeah. So like you, there's just a huge range of guys for a second. So, you know, if you can get a second for Russell Gage, yeah, I would, I would take that in a heartbeat. What about Gage in a third for a second? Like, because I think the other person does it for sure. Yeah. But do you think you think you, you need to add in the third? Like, is that too much? Or if we're talking, you know, a C2C league tossing in a cheap college producer, like a Elijah Cooks, or, you know, that's just like the first thing that came to the top of my head. Just someone, you know, yeah. that we don't presume has much of an NFL future. Yeah, no, I think that that's a good point there. I, I think that would probably get it done. Uh, it would still depend on where that second is for me. Um, you know, if it's going to, if it's projected to be a late second, I don't think I toss in the extra player, you know, in the, if it's going to be, assuming 12 team league, if it's going to be in the 10 to 12 range, I don't think I toss anything extra in on my end with, if I'm selling Russell Gage, um, but at that point, you're also selling to a contender, and they probably believe that they can get some really good production out of Gage, like we were just mentioning there. Um, I, I have a hard time projecting um, seconds forward. Like, I almost tend to just not care that much about it. Like, obviously, I'll make the other person think that I cared a little bit about it. Right. But, but at the end of the day, like, because I, I, I tend, I, I've started to drift into more of the category where I like to get seconds to then package them with something else to move up some spaces at a late a later date, a date to be determined. Um, you know, I don't necessarily have anything in mind when I do it, but if I have four seconds, you know, and then the draft rolls around that I have all four of them, say I can package two of them to move up to, you know, 201, 202. Like there's a lot of different things you can play around and do, or, you know, package two of them for a feeling like we just taught, you know, like, and th these are things that are basically uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, almost free that, that you can end up uh, working your way into. So I tend to care less for firsts. I'll try, I'll try to figure out where they're going to be, but for a second or lower, I don't really care that much. Yeah. I think I, I try to project it a little bit, but uh, I'm with you there. I kind of try to package seconds typically to move around or whatever, but um, I do try to project it. Like I, I look at the overall state of the team. And like I said, if it's, if it's a team that finished third last year and they look like another really strong team again, you know, then I'll probably be like, well, uh, you know, I'll sell it to them a little bit too. I'll be like, well, you, you know, you finished third last year. You're definitely a contender this year, you know, butter them up a little bit. Be like, you know, that's going to be a late pick. I don't think I can toss anything in on top of that and just kind of see where they go with that. No, that's fair. Um, Got to be careful with you're in a league with me. I'll shake up an entire roster like three weeks into a season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's... No, this isn't working. All right. <laughs> Time to pivot. Um, but another guy here um, we touched on uh, was Hayden Hurst. And, you know, you mentioned that you think he has the potential to be a third leading receiver on that team. So to you, this make this Julio Jones trade makes him relevant again. Yeah, relevant such a strong word because, you know, how people you, know, you have like your top three or four tight ends. And then there are a couple other guys that are intriguing. And then it's just the pool of guys that like next year they might be the wide, the tight end six but they're the tight end six over the tight end 14 by like a handful of points. And then they're back to tight end 14 the next year, you know, that, that you can arrange those guys in any order and probably not get that much of an argument out of most people. So I don't, uh, is he relevant again? I guess maybe, I guess in the sense of if you had, if you, if you had slightly smaller rosters and you had to make some difficult decisions, Hearst could have been a guy you were considering. And now I don't think he is. If if that's relevance, then I guess um, that's I, uh, that's pretty much exactly where I find myself in our one league, um, and it's a salary cap league. And 
you know, I just I have him for a very cheap salary. Uh, he was going to be a cut candidate, you know, but now that we now that there's a better chance of him at least being startable at some point in the future and it is a tight end premium. Um, I'll probably end up hanging on to him just because I am weaker at the tight end spot. So I think if you find yourself in that spot, like you were saying, you can you can hang on to him. You know, he's worth saving a bench spot. You may be able to start him a week or two in a pinch if you have to at the tight end spot, you know, during a bye week. Or, you know, if your starter is, you know, banged up for for a week or whatever, you know, you could throw him in in a pinch and it wouldn't necessarily kill you. I have, I have pits in that league, so <clears throat> for a yes. very fair price. Yes, you do. And I, and I gave up like nothing to get him. I know. I was trying to move up to get him, and it was going to cost me significantly more. Now, I did have, I was going to have further to jump in the draft, but I had been trying to move up for him for several picks. If it makes you feel better, I tried to move up subsequently after that for Javante, and no one would bite. So that was my one move that I got, and I hopefully made it count. Yeah. Well, at that point, though, then I pivoted and I traded my pick away. Mac Jones was the guy there. Um, and then I ended up getting a Debbie for it, which I turned that Debbie into Travion Henderson just because it's a one round Debbie. So I'm happy. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm OK with, with with I'm OK with the outcome, even though I did really want pits because, like I said, my tight end spot is not very good in that league. I'm starting Logan Thomas. Hmm. Which Ouchie. is Yeah, it's, it's OK. But I think the rest of my roster is a contender, except for him. So that's that's kind of where that one hurts. Um, but we'll move into another guy I actually have on that roster, and that's Matt Ryan. Um, Matt Ryan loses his decade-old, uh, decade-long favorite target, uh, his, his buddy Julio. Does this drop Matt Ryan for you at all because we were always kind of a fan of him for the volume stats that he put up passing the ball because he's offers zero as a runner yeah I mean it doesn't I don't I don't know we talked about it a little bit on Debbie debate on Wednesday that like Matt Ryan just strikes me as the kind of quarterback that when he hits the cliff he just hits the cliff like there's no gradual decline there's no um you know it, 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 he's just going to hit that wall and it's going to be really, really bad. And I don't know when it is. Um, but it, it, part of it's the rushing upside. Part of it's just that like, he's already really inconsistent as it is. And I think those two things just factor into that opinion for me. I don't know if this, I don't know if it helps him. I don't know if it hurts him. I, like, I, I, I think that he'll, he'll do okay. As long as their line does. Okay. is kind of my opinion on that for this year. Um, but I don't like how is he 35, 36, 35, 35. I don't, I think he has like two or three years left. I don't think he has that much longer than that. No, that, that seems to be about, about his timeline. So, which is, which makes what they're doing this off season all the more confusing. Yeah, I completely agree with that, but that's, that's a topic for another day. We don't need to dive into the Falcons. I was already chastised for putting them first. So, oh, <clears throat> But I, I agree with you on Matt Ryan there. His inconsistencies, I think, are only going to get worse now. I think Julio kind of helped to raise his floor. I think his ceiling stays the same. I think he's still capable of putting up 400 yards passing in a game at times. You know, But I think his floor drops out now. I think that this puts him 
you know, where he can put up 200 yards passing in a game and it wouldn't really surprise me. Um, so I'm going to move him down a few spots. Um, I'll move a guy up that uh, you had mentioned last week. Um, and that was um, uh, Kirk Cousins. I'll, I'll I'll move him ahead of Matt Ryan right now because um, I they, have him behind him. They, those two go like back to back in drafts. Like, do. I don't. I'm not, I'm not looking at the like. I always use DLF's ADP. I'm not looking at that right now. But I've done three startups now this off season. I think, and in all of them, like they go within five picks of each other. And actually, I just took Matt Ryan in the 16-team C2C that I'm drafting. And I really – like, Cousins and Ryan were there. And then the person, like, right before me or two picks before me took Cousins. And I was like, ah, shit. And then I settled on settled on Ryan. But Yeah. Well, I, the opposite happened to me in the um, program startup. We started up the NFL side. I, I waited on quarterback because quarterbacks just flew off the board. Uh, yeah. And it is six points for passing touchdowns. But quarterbacks just flew off the board. And I was looking at it and I was like, I kind of need to get a quarterback that I feel has a couple years left at least. So I moved up probably like four spots to take Kirk Cousins. And the guy that I flipped with ended up taking Matt Ryan at my spot. Yeah, I chastised you a little bit for your team build in that. You did, but everybody just kind of like took you they overvalued youth which maybe that's a, a show that we uh, you know something we can talk about at some point but you know in that league i ended up with i have cmc i have travis kelsey in a in a fairly heavy tight end premium i have tyree kill Devontae adams uh aaron Rodgers, and now kirk cousins so i'm pretty much pushing all my chips into the table you know on yeah. this one. you're gonna start trading away college pieces as the season you know, uh, starts up well, We'll see how it goes. I do feel really good about my college roster in that one um, because I have Isaiah Spiller, who we expect to come up next year. I have Pickens, who I think will probably come out next year. We'll see. Um, I have other guys there, too, like Austin Jones, who may come out. I have um, Sean Corbin, who may come out. Ty Chandler on there, too, which we disagree on Ty Chandler, but I feel good about it. Um, so I have some pieces that I that are going to be coming up next year that I have. And I have um, Jaden Daniels and Desmond Ritter at QB. So I have potentially some options there. So we'll kind of I'll kind of judge it after the draft, kind of take stock of it. But and your team is like my half of my do not draft list right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, it was on. It, I was looking at the value there, um, mm. you know, on some of those guys, because I, I wouldn't have typically gone after quarterback as heavily. But. Everybody seems to be have a completely different mindset on the college side where they were punting QB and it left some good value on the board. I, I've been working my way into uh, into people's you know listening spaces on that, I think, with the zero QB approach. I think you have as well. Um, but uh, so we got off on a tangent. We'll circle back around here. Um, the Julio trade, we touched on it a little bit for the Titans players, um, you know, at the wide receiver position. Um, does this affect Ryan Tannehill at all for you? It kind of has to. It's one of those things where you have to think, and I see people that do, um, like a lot of the guys that do a lot on like underdog and things like that with a lot of the best ball stuff where they'll they'll say, you know, because I, I my, my semi-spicy, but I don't think it's that spicy of a take that I gave the other day on, on Debbie Debate is that I think that that assuming that everyone stays healthy, Julio and A.J. Brown are both wide receiver ones for fantasy this year. 
you know, neither of them will be the wide receiver one, but that's my spicy take for this year. Assuming they all stay healthy. They're both wide receiver ones for fantasy purposes. So it's going to be one of those things where you're like, okay, if, if it's a best ball and you're taking, you know, those guys need to go early to be valued as wide receiver ones. And then Tannehill goes late, but like you're assuming that he supports two wide receiver ones, but like he's down here. So that has to raise his, his, his floor a little bit, I think in terms of value and what he's going to provide this year. Um, Cause he is a rushing threat. You know, it's not, he's not Lamar, but he chips in, you know, couple hundred, you know, 100, 200, whatever rush yards, a couple rushing touchdowns. Um, and uh, he's been very efficient on passing attempts over the past couple of years. I was already valuing him as like a low end QB one. So I don't know how much higher this bumps him, you know, instead of my QB 12 or whatever, he's QB, you know, 10 this year, something like that. But I, I think it helps him a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think you, you nailed it there. It raises his floor. We talked about losing Julio, lowering Matt Ryan's floor. I think this raises Tannehill's floor. Um, I didn't move him up in my ranks at all for this. I have him as my QB 13, and he stayed there. Um, so I'm not going to move him ahead of Tua. I'm not going to move him ahead of Herbert or Burrow, Fields, Lawrence, anybody like that. So I think that, yeah, it's... It just makes me feel a little bit more comfortable in him. If if you um if you were a contender and you're like say you have uh, three quarterbacks and you're not that happy with the bottom two or maybe you're rolling with two and one gets hurt and you have like a Sam Howell in college would you trade Sam Howell straight up for Ryan Tannehill? I think I mean Tannehill's thirty two. So he has probably about the same time frame left that Kirk Cousins does. We talked a little bit about that next week. So yeah. he's probably got one more contract in him. So I think I would. Um, it's tough, though. It's yeah. Tough. Rat- would you Rattler? Would you trade Rattler straight up for him? No, I don't think I would trade Rattler. I think Rattler has a little bit higher ceiling than Tannehill or Howell do. But I. Okay. You know, I mean, we talked a little bit. I mean, I've heard you and Matt Bruning bandy it about a little bit that Tana or that um, Howell is similar to Baker um, as, as far as like a fantasy prospect there. And I have Tannehill ahead of Baker in my QB rankings. So, you know, assuming, you know, if assume, obviously we can't assume, but if we do Howell similar to Baker, you know, you kind of expect that level of fantasy production from him. I think I value Tannehill. I mean, you're obviously going to get it longer from Howell, but Tannehill's is a little bit higher. So I think that's fair. Okay. I, I, I was just curious because I think, you know, that's I, – I think I would trade Howell, and I think I would heavily consider trading Rattler too. DJU I think is the only guy that I probably wouldn't. And even then, like if I was really in a pinch and I needed a quarterback and I thought like the rest of my team was really good, but like aging out, I think I would still make that trade to be honest. Yeah, it's – it's it's a tough one. It's 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 definitely a tough one. I, it would I would go back and forth on it. I would say how yes, Rattler no right now, but I could flip on the Rattler one depending on when it is in the year too. But uh, last Titans player we'll talk about here is the tight end here, um, and we were kind of assuming at least you, you saw other people kind of hyping him up a little bit, Anthony Ferkser. Um, you know, stepping into the Janu role, Corey Davis is gone. So, you know, now you have that target vacuum that, or t- uh, target 
uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is the targets disappeared and they have to go somewhere. You know, people were kind of thinking Anthony Ferkser may see a bump there. Um, this is a pretty big stock down for him for me. Um, I don't really, not super interested in him anymore. Um, I, I, were you ever interested in him? No, no, I was never interested in Anthony Ferkser. Um, that's all I have to say. I don't want to waste any more words on Anthony Brooksir. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so we'll move into another news segment here. Uh, and that's Ron Rivera came out this week and said that he's planning on an open QB competition during training camp. I mean, we all kind of assumed that they brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the starter there because this is a team that I think is probably the best overall team in the a- NFC East. I think they have a good shot at winning that this year. And I think bringing in Fitz, Fitzpatrick kind of signaled to me that they felt the same way. And also their other guys are Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen. So do we actually believe this is going to be an open training or an open battle in training camp? I think it has to be. Whether it ends up actually working out that way or not. But I think you, I think you have to give like Heineke and Kyle Allen a chance to show what they can do because Fitzpatrick is old and, and as you know, he's not the future. And as we've seen with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, he's an, he's an experience when you sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> you're, you're not going to get six or I guess 17 games at this point of consistent level quarterback play. Um, Heineke looked okay in that playoff game last year. So I think he's significantly younger. I think you let them battle it out, and if Heineke, you know, looks as good, if not better, then you toss him in at some point. And you see what you've got because they, they're, you know, in the, at the front office, they're already thinking about what their future moves at the quarterback position. You know, Fitzpatrick right. got a one-year deal, and like we said, he's old. Heineke and Allen, career backup type guys, up to this point. So they're, they're, I mean, they're not necessarily a competent franchise, but you have to think that that there have been talks about what they're going to do moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you would hope that there are, or that you would hope that they have some sort of a plan in place there. But, you know, as we've talked about a little bit before, I don't know if next year is the year to go after a quarterback in the draft. And I don't know how high they're going to be in the draft. So I don't know where they're going to get their next QB from. They may have to go out and sign Andy Dalton when he inevitably leaves Chicago after next year. Um, or somebody along those lines and keep bringing kind of recycled veterans in, you know, maybe, maybe if the Raiders are really bad, they go a different direction and, you know, Derek Carr becomes available. Maybe they go that route or something like that. But I just don't think much of Heineke or, or Allen. I don't, I I think Fitzpatrick, we know what he is and it's, it's kind of volatile, but it's also a a guy who can at least take you to the playoffs. If Heineke can game manage though, they have a pretty good defense. I know they need to clean up some things in the back end a little bit, but their front seven gives them a lot of uh, leeway in that regard. So, and they're pretty young defense overall too. Right. They have like, if you can just find a game manager, which Fitzpatrick is not. No. Then like they, that just might be a more attractive option, especially for a guy like Ron Rivera that, he got that that riverboat Ron nickname, but it really wasn't um, like like he he held to it for like a season. Yeah, but he's never really been a gambler, or he's <laughs> he's a very conservative coach for the most part. 
you know, run the, you know, run the ball, play solid defense, all that kind of good stuff. So Heineke might be appealing in that regard, just especially, you know, four games into the season, Ryan Fitzpatrick has like four interceptions at halftime and Heineke comes into a second half, evens things out and they win. I think at that, like at that point you had to start at least considering Heineke as the option, kind of like they did, like the Dolphins did with Fitzpatrick and Tua last year. Although Tua had more, I mean, I'm I'm not comparing Heineke (laughs) to Tua, but you know, it's, it's a, it, it is the part of the Ryan Fitzpatrick experience. That's why he's played for what, like 10 NFL franchises. Yeah. What he brings. Yeah. So we, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before that, but we talked about, you know, a team being able to, you know, be a contender with a quarterback duo like uh, Fitzpatrick and cousins, you know, you, you made the, the bold bet that if somebody were to win their league, um, you know, and send us the, the screenshot of Fitzpatrick and Kirk cousins as the quarterback, we'll give away a month's subscription there. Does that change now for you that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is less solidified as that starter there? Do you, are you interested in him as a, as a fantasy starter for your team? Yeah, because his ADP right now is like nothing if you're doing a startup. And um, Heineke's is as well. So I think actually like you, people should be targeting some Heineke um, late in drafts as well. This is a, a stash, but I don't see why not. I mean, he's perfect. He's perfect for like what you did in that draft that you were kind of talking about earlier. But let's assume that you were only able to get Rodgers there and then like no one wanted you to trade up in the next five picks like all the quarterbacks are gone. At that point, you wait a round or two and then you slot Fitzpatrick into it. Like that, that's what you should do with Fitzpatrick. It shouldn't be a, a if you're expecting him to be there for a whole full season, I have I have news for you that probably will not end particularly well, which spoiler alert is why I felt so good saying last week about it. Someone sent us a screenshot of Fitzpatrick and Cousins winning them a championship. <laughs> we did my free month of the website because I feel pretty good that that probably isn't going to happen. Fair enough. Um, so we'll we'll move off of that one here and into another quarterback um, that everybody is way more interested in for fantasy purposes. And uh, Kyler Murray, um, in an interview this week, he said he is still open to playing baseball. He said, if I ever had the opportunity, I would definitely go for it. Which I don't fully understand that quote because he has the opportunity. He was taken in the first round of the uh, MLB draft in 2019 by the Oakland A's. He's the only athlete to ever be selected in the first round of both sports. So it's not like he's, you know, and on all due respect to Russell Wilson, it's not like he's Russell Wilson here where, you know, he got drafted a little bit later and, you know, he could play baseball, but he's very clearly a better NFL quarterback than he would ever be a baseball player, you know, but the MLB thinks very highly of Murray. So I think he, that that's still like potentially an option for him if he were to ever actually want to do it because he is only uh, was it 23. So it's not like he's old, especially for baseball players. It takes a while for them to reach the majors at times. So does this worry you at all for Kyler Murray? I'm going to get tell you tell you that I have 160 million reasons as to why I don't believe Kyler Murray is going to do that <laughs> and that is Dak Prescott's recent contract. <laughs> He's already established himself on that track. Yeah. You know, I get saying it when he was coming into the league, 
because you know that 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 NFL money could have dried up really quickly if he didn't play well. You know, the right. back backup quarterback contracts for a guy that's that's kind of flamed out aren't particularly lucrative. Um, but you know, I think that four years one sixty is like the baseline for what he's going to expect. I would honestly expect him to get closer to two hundred because the cap. As I saw an article, and I, the cap is back up next year. It's over two hundred uh, million again, and it'll keep going up. I mean, look look what it took uh, for it to go down for one year, and it's already rebounded back to where it was. Like the NFL is just a money printing machine. The cap is always going to go up, <laughs> and court, for quarterbacks especially, there basically realistically is no cap. So that no, I I don't have any worries about him playing baseball unless he like get some sort of an injury like uh that you know it's like a back injury or a neck injury something that isn't necessarily um uh great for a guy that's going to get hit a bunch of times but playing baseball maybe you know it's not necessarily affected or or you know he can go over there and and play a little bit longer um but otherwise no I don't think so concussions yeah but I I don't remember him ever having a history of that no. either um and no, he's I was just so, that would he's be an so good at not getting hit yeah. like I, I don't really ever see him as a guy that gets a bunch of concussions unless, um, you know, he gets a freak one. But yeah. so, I, no, I, I don't see there being any chance that he goes play baseball. No, I completely agree with you, too. Like you said, there's 160 or 200 million reasons why he won't. Um, I just thought there was an interesting comment from him because, he, like I said, he said, if I had the opportunity, um, I would I would definitely take that. I would definitely go for it. But he has the opportunity, so I don't understand the comment. I think he wants to play both. I think that was a subtle, I want to play both. It's interesting. Is that subtle? He didn't say, I want to play both. I'll call it subtle. Yes, I think that was a subtle, like, I want to play both. See, that would be interesting, because obviously we haven't seen that since, you know, everybody talks about Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, you know. We haven't seen that since those guys. And uh, like I mentioned, you know, in the article, they mentioned Brian Jordan, um, being 25 years old when he quit football to play baseball, but you know he switched sports and he was never the type of player that Kyler Murray is. So, yeah, Oakland, Oakland is close enough that he could do it, or you know he could try to find some way to get a, a forced trade to Arizona. I mean, if he says I'll never play baseball for you, but I want to play baseball, like he he's worth something, and Oakland would yeah. get something from Arizona for him, which is better than the nothing. That, that they would getting. get if he doesn't play. <laughs> so I right. you know, they they would probably be more willing than you would think to strike that kind of a deal. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, hopefully I think it'd be really cool to see a dual sport athlete like that in our lifetime. So I hope he goes for it. I hope he does. Um, I also yeah, don't, I don't really care one way or the other. I, I can I, see I, Cliff Kingsbury not being very into that. Oh, I I don't think he would either. I don't think the Cardinals yeah. would be super into it, but at the same time, I think that he, uh, you know, he has a lot more leverage, you know, at being a quarterback there. So, uh, yeah, quarterbacks are always going to have a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so next bit of news here: um, Amari Cooper sustained a injury here. Um, it was an ankle injury, but they were not very specific with what type of ankle injury. That's very vague. Um, they said it's not viewed as a major injury but an irritation to an injury that had st- popped up two weeks ago and it's prohibited him from running. And they're saying they're un- he's unlikely to be able to run in the next two to three weeks and that he may not 
be physically ready to start uh, camp, and he may end up on the pup list when the time comes there. Um, I mean, people have already kind of had not a negative opinion of Cooper, but I feel like he was kind of being forgotten about a little bit. He's kind of a value at this point, I think, and I think that that can push him even further down draft boards here. So does this injury worry you at all, and does it drop him down draft boards for you? No, it doesn't worry me, and I am – I'm trying to find it right now. I saw that – I think it was Rappaport the other day tweeted out – I think it was Rappaport. It was one of, like, the big-name NFL guys that the the NFL and the union or whoever they were negotiating with had decided to bring back the shorter-term stays on the injured reserve this year or whatever kind of list you wanted to use them and, like, the unlimited call-ups – um, so, you know, he might go, you know, even if he's not healthy by the start of the season, you know, like you said, it's probably, not, it, he doesn't have to go on like the 11, the 11 week IR or whatever and come, you know, come back later in the year, he can come back week three and it's no harm, no foul. Um, I really like this new setup that they have in that regard. I, I think it's good for the players. It's good for the teams. It's good for everybody. It's a win-win. I don't know why there was so, um, you know, it all like it, it's one of those things that you never really thought about before. You're like, yeah, well, you, you know, you got to decide which strategy you want. And now you're like, why were they not doing this all the time? Right. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I like that better than what they were doing before. Like what they were doing before was fine. But I think this just is a benefit to everybody. So I, I, I like that. And, and assuming that they do it, because um, you said Rappaport said that they might do it. Or was it definitely? I want to say it was Rappaport, but I don't remember exactly who it was. But I think they were saying like they had agreed to it. Okay. I don't know at, at this point, like if anything is official. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what dates everything becomes official with this. Yeah, stuff. fair, fair. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's that's a good point. But I just I always, and it's more for redraft. But I always kind of knock guys a little bit who are coming into camp injured, because typically guys who come into camp injured. You know, the the way that the, the nature of the NFL and the nature of just being a professional athlete in general, like, you know, rest is the best medicine for any of these injuries. And they just aren't afforded the time, the proper time to rest these injuries. So they can pop up later on in the season. So I, you know, if it's a coin flip, if it's a tiebreaker between Amari Cooper and Allen Robinson, I'm going to go Robinson, you know? And I, I like it because, you know, they, they're deep enough a wide receiver that they don't have to rush right. someone back. They can give him. And I did find it. So Tom Pelissero is the one who tweeted okay. it out last week. But I found same an person. article. They're, they're, all, they're all basically <laughs> the same. Yes. Um, and so they said that they're keeping – they as of now, it looks like they're keeping the three-week return and unlimited um, callbacks from that. And that they're also keeping the 16-man practice squads. Okay. Um, so the, those two things are both staying in place, but no, so, so this doesn't worry me at all for, for Amari, if anything, you know, it, I mean, it doesn't make me feel better, but it like, you know, it, it makes me feel better knowing that he has an ankle injury and now that he might be able to rest it and still come back and provide you something meaningful this fantasy season. And he's still, is he 26? Uh, yes. Feels like he's been around for forever, but he's still 26. I mean, the guy still has several years left, so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I can get on board with that. I mean, you know, like you said, the Cowboys are in a position where they don't, they're afforded a little bit more luxury that other teams may not have with their, you know, number one wide receiver. 
but we'll move here into a little bit of rookie news, and that is Elijah Moore, uh, wide receiver from the Jets, is really impressing people in camp so far. Um, you know, the head coach Robert Sala has you know gone out of his way to, to talk him up. He you know said his work ethic is off the charts. Um, you know, and Dennis Wazak of the AP has, you know, said that Moore has made impressive catch after impressive catch. I saw an article in the athletic that said that the Jets writer is tired of writing about Elijah Moore. He's like, it was like, what more can I say about him? He just continues to impress and make catches here. So it's looking like the data nerds may have been right here on Elijah Moore. They just haven't seen a real wide receiver in New York in years. That's also a good point. I think that's just blowing them away. They're like, oh my God, this guy, this guy can catch and he runs and he does both at the same time. And he's chewing gum. Holy shit. I think that's definitely a part of it. I don't know. I'm still, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. Like I, I still am not entirely sure how much he plays boundary wide receiver. And I think that that still is a mild limiter. Um, Cause it doesn't, if that's the case, then it doesn't like, I think if you have a dominant alpha on your team, then you don't feel the need to add other, like you, you add more like supporting pieces. I think if you have Elijah Moore, even if he's awesome, if he's playing 85% of his snaps in the slot, that doesn't keep them from signing or drafting a true alpha further down the line, which could, depending on how good Zach Wilson is, Kind um, kind of eat into his value a little bit, but I I mean you're seeing the effects of it. He is like the third or fourth wide receiver off the board, in or third or fourth like rookie wide receiver off the board in like basically every draft I've been doing lately. He he goes he goes earlier than I'd probably be willing to pay to be honest. That might look silly a year from now, but it's just a little too early for me. Yeah, I agree with you. I like more, and I think even if they do go out and bring in somebody else at the wide receiver position, I think he's going to be just fine fantasy wise you know because like you said I, I don't know how much he ever plays on the boundary so but he is a very very good slot receiver and that has some value especially in ppr especially in uh you know fantasy so i, I like elijah Moore a lot but i am with you i think he's getting taken too early uh in that startup that i mentioned um he went at the 603 um where he went ahead of chris godwin Ahead oh of, my God! No, no, no! <laughs> what are you doing? No! He went ahead of Chris Godwin. That one really shook me. Um, he went ahead of Cortland Sutton and T. Higgins as well. Um, those ones, that's okay. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't do it personally. I understand that one a little bit more, but I think Chris Godwin is a guy that's just for whatever reason is going way under the radar here. So I don't, I don't understand that one. Uh, I don't understand why Chris Godwin keeps continuously falling. And that could be a topic for another day potentially. Um, but Elijah Moore should never go over Chris Godwin. This um, that's, that's the family guy boat scene. <laughs> that's the family guy boat scene where, you know, do you want the boat or do you want the package that could be a boat? Like, Chris Godwin's already been a wide receiver one, and he's been around the periphery of it on a per game basis multiple other times. That no, oh my gosh, Elijah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I like I said, I like oh Elijah Moore. 
That was a little early for him. Should never go over Chris Godwin. Uh, if you want to talk to me about over T. Higgins or Cortland Sutton, I wouldn't do it. But I wouldn't either. I wouldn't do it, but I think that's a little bit more... I, I understand it a little bit more um, just because of the other guys that they have on that roster uh, on so, those two rosters. So I, I'll say like, I I'm in the 16 teamer right now. And I thought I had like a list of solid guys that he went ahead of, like he went six thirteen, and he went ahead of Juju Chark, both Rams wide receivers, Boyd Gallup, Julio Chenault. All of those guys are still on the board here too. I would take all of those guys over Elijah Moore. I mean, the only, the only argument you can make there is that Elijah Moore is younger. And I'm not sure that that's that compelling of an argument because none of those guys are 30 except for Julio. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that list that you let off, I mean, those guys are all still available in this one too. But um, again, I would entertain the, the, the Elijah Moore over those guys there. Um, but I, I think Elijah, the Elijah Moore hype is getting a little bit out of control, and now I don't think I'm going to end up with him anywhere. No, I'm cool with it. Nope, not at that price. Nope, 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 Okay, so I will challenge anybody that's listening to this. Go draft Elijah Moore over Chris Godwin, and then after the draft is over, try to trade Elijah Moore to the Chris Godwin owner straight up or with like a very minimal add-on piece and see what the Chris Godwin owner says to you, and I'm pretty sure it's go F yourself. So, because that is what I would say. Yeah, I... I'm a big Chris Godwin guy. I always have been. Um, so I would put it a little bit more politely than that. But yeah, I would. I was honestly, I was when I traded up for um, Kirk Cousins in that league, I wanted to take Godwin there. I really did. But it's half point PPR. And I already had Adams and Tyreek Hill. And I was like, I don't need another wide receiver. I'll be I honest, half, half point PPR makes me feel even worse about Elijah Moore. That's like, like I think he's probably like I, I could at least maybe rationalize it in a full PPR setting, but I think half PPR hurts him even more. I don't know how much of a touchdown guy he's gonna be. Yeah. Because he wasn't that much like he wasn't that good deep in in college. Yeah. He very much was possession, you know, not like I mean, he was still exp- you know, there were explosive plays happening, but he, you know, he wasn't um He's not a deep threat, and I don't think he's a red zone guy really either. Um, so that that's interesting to me. And have PPR, he went above Chris Godwin. <laughs> um, yes. Well, the other angle on that one, you know, Godwin is being undervalued. So if you don't have him, go try and float an offer out for him because I think he could still be a wide receiver one this year. Um, you know, and i I have him as my I have Godwin as my wide receiver five which probably higher than most people. Um, but he's only 24. He's 25. You know, is he 25 now? Yeah. He must have just turned 25. Sorry. Happy birthday, Chris. He turns uh, 25 in the summer. So maybe he's not quite 25 yet, but he, like, he'll, he'll be 25 by the time the season rolls around. Gotcha. Well, well, happy birthday, Chris. I'm sorry I missed it. Um, you know, I'll send you a nice little edible arrangement. Um, but we'll move on here to the next uh, rookie wide receiver here. And that's a guy that I've talked up a little bit. So I'm going to kind of let you run with this one a little bit more. Um, you know, and that's uh, Amon Ross St. Brown has been tabbed by 24-7 as the Detroit Lions rookie standout. Um, this article mentions, you know, he was the fourth round pick. 
you know, they, they put up some stats here, uh, but they also bring in a quote from Dan Campbell uh, and saying he's been raving about his ability and his mindset. Um, he said for a rookie, um, St. Brown has been all business. You can tell he's very focused. He's very detail oriented, listens to what Antoine Randallel is telling him. Uh, you feel like he knows the playbook really well. And there's just things you go out and see about him and you're like, okay, there again, he's a football player. Definitely takes it seriously. You know, and he go, he just kind of goes on. There was like a big interview where he just keeps raving on him. Um, you know, and NFL Network also has tabbed him as the uh, standout wide receiver there for the Lions. Uh, and that's a depth chart that doesn't have a standout receiver. So like I said, I've talked him up. I'm very interested in him. I'll let you talk a little bit more about him. Yeah, I mean, I think someone has to catch passes there. But I saw somebody say, I, I got to start just writing this stuff down. But I didn't think it would, it would come up as a podcast <laughs> conversation or else I would have. Um, but he said that he thinks that the, somebody said they think, and it was like a, a larger fantasy account, said that they think that the guy that leads Detroit in receiving this year isn't on the roster yet. I actually kind of agree with that. Like, I, I think there's a very much a scenario where Jamison Crowder gets cut by the Jets and he goes there. And he, that would hurt. he leads that team. Or um, I'm trying to think of somebody else. That uh, are there any other like big wide? There's another big wide receiver cut candidate whose name is escaping me right now. That's not one that I have off. I, I can't think of anybody who would be a big wide receiver cut candidate. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that there, or you know, maybe the, the the Browns. I could see them like dumping Odell for cheap or something. You know what I mean? Like that, that that's that's a possibility that he could go there. So, like something like that, where I think just the guy that leads them in receiving is not currently on that roster. So, I mean, I could see like a 50 catch, 650 yards, three touchdowns type year for him. I think that's well within his reach, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure I see anything bigger than that. And at that point, it's another one of those, I'm not sure he profiles as a one, Detroit might try to go get somebody that is that in the near future. Yeah, I think Elijah or uh, Elijah, um, Jamison Crowder getting cut and going there would scare me because Jamison Crowder would be a good fit skill set wise with um, Jared Goff. Um, but I, I think that you have a good point that there's a potential for them bringing somebody in. But I think if they were going to do it, they probably would have done it already. Um, I mean, there were a, a number of wide receivers out there and it just seems like they didn't really want to spend at the position. You know, they could have taken guys in the draft. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't take one until uh, the fourth round where they took on Ross St. Brown. You know, I think as far as a guy who leads the team in receiving, I think that could be Hawkinson. Um, but I also think that, uh, like you mentioned, a 50 catch, 650 yards, three touchdown season for St. Brown. I think that's well within his outcome, you know. I could see, you know, 50 to 60 catches, 600, 800 yards, three to five touchdowns. But as a rookie in year one on, a, a you know, that that offense, I think that that's that's good. I think that's a boost. You know, it, it shows you kind of what we want to see. And I think that that would raise his stock. So I'm in on Amon Ross St. Brown. And if you can buy him, I'm still buying him. I would be willing to bet that Amon Ross St. Brown at value is, is better at current cost is a better value than Elijah Moore. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I think that is a, is a good point. I think that at value. Yeah. I would definitely rather have Amon Ross St. Brown. Yep. 
but speaking of value, um, uh, next segment here, we're going to talk a little bit about um, some guys who are not number one options that we like better or like better at value than the number one option in that offense. Um, so guys who are kind of slated to, you know, maybe play second fiddle or expected to be second fiddle who we like more than number one guys. And my first guy here is a guy we mentioned just for a second earlier, and that's Jerry Judy. Um, now this is cheating a little bit because their ADP according to DLF is basically exactly the same. Um, Sutton is 60.8 and Jerry Judy is 61. So basically exactly the same. They've been basically exactly the same for the past two months. Jerry Judy was 55.6 in April and Cortland Sutton was 54.8. They're basically going back to back. Back in March, Judy 59, Sutton 54. Um, But before that, in February, Judy 56, Cortland Sutton 67. So they've been very close all offseason. So it's cheating a little bit. But I like Jerry Judy. I think people were disappointed in him last year. And I don't necessarily think that that was right. I think that he performed fine. You know, he didn't blow the doors off or anything like that. But he was also playing with Drew Locke at quarterback, who I don't think particularly highly of, um, you know, so, and he was also a rookie, you know, and, and I think sometimes we get infatuated with rookies and we want them to, you know, perform immediately. We want that instant gratification. And sometimes it takes a year or two. Um, you know, it used to be a third year breakout. That's where everybody was looking at for wide receivers. You know, now we've kind of forgotten about that. And I don't think Jerry Judy necessarily takes a third year to break out. I think he can do that this year, particularly if Teddy two gloves, takes that job from from drew lock no i think that's a good um i think that's they, like you said though like there's no value <laughs> to be had there like yeah i'm pretty sure what happens with those two guys is people don't really want to choose and as soon as one goes off the board like the other the other one's like okay like i'll just take the other guy that's a good point. Like, yeah that's kind of like how we talk about like lsu quarterbacks and stuff like as soon as the one goes i'm like okay i'll go snag the other one um so uh, yeah i'm not but i i mean i would rather I, I, yeah, I would rather have Judy than Sutton, but it's very, very close. So it was really hard to get me to say that. Um, I'll take really, it. Really close. Um, maybe they'll, maybe they'll go get Aaron Rodgers. That that would be interesting. Um, but another thing with to mention with Judy and Sutton is there's four years difference. Judy is 21. Um, it may be 22 now. Uh, I haven't checked birthdays in a while. So Jerry, if I missed your birthday too, I'm sorry. If I missed it, like Chris, I'll send you an edible arrangement. Um, but there's Man, your, four... your secretary is going to be busy sending out the edible arrangements this week. She is. Yeah, I apologize. But yeah, four years difference. I have them back to back in my rankings as well. I have Jerry Judy 21, Cortland Sutton 22. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. It's a situation where nobody wants to choose. And as soon as one goes off the board, you're like, oh, yeah, I should probably go get the other one because I like that one, too. Yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty much what you what you probably see happening um, in that scenario. Um, so I actually don't really feel very good about what I'm about to say for my first guy. I just want to, want to preface this. Um, but you know, my co-host got me a sheet at 11 o'clock last night or whatever. So it was like, uh, it was like nine 30. I was in bed by 11 o'clock. I go to bed early, bro. I was in bed watching beat Bobby flay by 
10. <laughs> Is that too much of a peek behind the curtains? I think a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I like, I don't even really like Paris Campbell, <clears throat> but I also don't really like Michael Pittman and Michael Pittman's average ADP right now is 84. He's coming off the board as a wide receiver 40. Uh, Paris Campbell's is 131 and he's coming off the board as the wide receiver 73, I believe, according to DLF. I'm just looking at their charts here. There's, there's a 50, a 50 spot difference between the two of them that I don't necessarily know should exist because I don't. I think this is probably more of like, I think we're drafting Pittman too early unless of, I think we're drafting Paris Campbell too late. Cause I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable saying that I, that either one of those guys has the better season next year. They're the same age. I mean, I guess you have Campbell's never really impressed in the league. So they, that, I mean, I, I get it. You know, he's been basically perpetually injured, but it's not like Pittman blew the doors off of anything last year anyway new quarterback so we're not sure who he's going to prefer with Wentz I could see him really liking Pittman because he liked um um Alshon and those guys there but he also meshed pretty well with uh with Deshaun Jackson now Paris Campbell is not Deshaun Jackson he's not a field stretcher guy he's he's Kadarius Tony he's a yak guy um we we haven't exactly seen Wentz work with a lot of those guys over his career so we we don't know what the dynamic's going to be there between these guys. But I just think it's a little foolish to have to be taking Pittman 50 picks earlier. I would rather wait and take Campbell. Um, I think I actually – I've done that in a league this offseason. Um, I, I would rather wait. And I think that's, that, that's a little high for Campbell. I think I see him go a little later than that too, that 131, at least in my personal – experience i know they're they're looking at a lot more drafts than i yes have. so i'm taking their word for it i'm just saying i i see Pittman go late or campbell go later than that yeah i i completely agree with you i i like paris campbell um i liked him more last year before the injury like in the offseason last year like i thought he was going to be a good breakout candidate because philip rivers had a pop gun arm you know you want to talk about quarterbacks who kind of hit that cliff and hit it hard. Um, you know, that was Phillip Rivers. You know, he was a fantasy-relevant quarterback before that, and then he just nosedived last year. <clears throat> you know, if you were starting Phillip Rivers, you were in trouble. But I thought that, you know, th- that would be a good mesh of skill set. Uh, but obviously now they have Carson Wentz, so I'm a little less sure of Paris Campbell. But at value, yeah, I'm definitely with you. Wow. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> no rebuttal. <laughs> That was that was perfect. We we have no response. Um. Anyway, uh, you know, my next guy that I'm going to talk about here is a guy that I think gets forgotten about, um, and that is Tariq Cohen. Um, at ADP, Tariq Cohen is currently at 155 according to DLF. Um, you know, it's hovered right around there. It's hovered right in the mid 150s. All off season, with the exception of a drop down to 176 in February, which I don't really understand why that one happened, but hey, whatever. Um, whereas Montgomery has risen over the off season slightly, he started at 49.8 February and has risen steadily each month, all the way up to 44.8 right now. And I think everybody's kind of remembering the end of the season there with David Montgomery. You know, where he put up 25, 27, 24, 29, 20, and 28 fantasy points down the stretch, you know, 
that's a great stretch, fantastic stretch. But people are kind of forgetting the week before that, you know, this the part of the season before that where he had five against Tennessee in week nine, he had 12 against New Orleans, 11, 13. Yet another week was nice with 18, 10, 7, 21 against the Giants, which was nice, 8. So, you know, before the season, or before like the, the bye week, he wasn't really helping you much. I mean, he was like a low-end RB2 for you, mid-end RB2. You know, and if you're taking him at, you know, ADP of 44, you know, you want him to be more than that. You know, you want him to be a high-end RB2 or a low-end RB1. And I don't know if, I don't know if that's him, um, you know, because last year, if you go back to, or two years ago, if you go back to 2019, when both Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery were healthy, um, Tariq Cohen actually outperformed him at the end of the year. Very, very close. Um, you know, PPR, Tariq Cohen had 159.5 points uh, and David Montgomery had 159.3. But it was close enough that I don't think there warrants a 110, you know, pick difference in ADP. So I'm, I, I like Tariq Cohen a lot as a late stash here in, the, in, in a draft. Um, sure. I don't know. I don't. I don't really feel that strongly about Tariq Cohen either way. Like, if I'm starting Tariq Cohen, it's either it better be like a 16 team league or something just has gone horribly, horribly. I'm trying to tank. Like, those are the two scenarios where I want to be starting Tariq Cohen. Um, I don't want to start Tariq Cohen, but I think if you take him at 155, I don't think you're starting him. That's the. And and we need somebody. We need the math person, like I mentioned last show. But that's what like twelve, fifteenth, fifteenth round or thirteenth round. I think thirteenth round. Twelve is one hundred forty-four. You said what is he on? One fifty-five. So fourteenth. It's just beyond that. And fourteenth. No, sorry. It's the last of the. It's the very end of the thirteenth round. I can't math. So so thirteenth yeah, round pick. I don't think you're picking him there to be a starter. But if you're taking David Montgomery at forty-four, you know that's. That's third round. That's the end of the third round. I don't know. He's not a true cuff. I used to have like basically employee strategy where I would hit one big name RB and then just hit a bunch of scat backs. But I think you can never really predict what, what third down guys are going to have a big year. It's just a tough, like I, I wouldn't feel good about Tariq Cohen being anything better than like my RB four. You know what I mean? That, that's just, that, that's a strategical shift that but I've in the- seen. 14th round that's what you're taking him as well what else is going in the 14th round let's look because <laughs> that's what you that's what you're actually caring about like what else is going around there if there's nothing else okay i get it but this is also kind of a fade david montgomery take here as well a little bit i i'm pretty out on david montgomery so it depends on what like what your team build is because like the the ten or so picks on either side of him, I'm seeing Pat Fryermuth, Yami Brown, um, Russell Gage. We talked about earlier, uh, T.Y. Hilton, um, Nico Collins goes right after him. I'm not a huge Nico Collins guy, um, but like that Brian Edwards, like those are kind of the guys that are going in that area. Paris Campbell goes after him. AB, I'd rather have AB. I think it's like you're just looking at at a range. Like, I, I mean, I guess yeah, I get what you're saying. There's not like there's no studs. There. Right. But there's I think also I'm, like 
not really any other running backs that you've mentioned. Yeah, the running backs in that area, I'll just say Latavius Murray, Sony out. Michelle, out. Ram- Ramondre Stevenson. Pretty much out. James White. Yeah, out. Um, and that's really it. Like P, P Ryan's like 10 after him here, 10 plus. Um, Jamal Williams goes a little bit ahead of him. So th- those are the running backs that are in that that range. Yeah. So and I don't want any of those guys. Tree Cohen, though, you know. I'm interested. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so my last one here is Gallup, Michael Gallup. We talked a little bit about him earlier. Um, I think that, and I, I, um, I'm not necessarily the fan of saying like the dynasty community is not valuing him correctly per se, because it's, he's a free agent after this year. And I like that he's a free agent because he's probably, well, he's either going to leave Dallas or Dallas is going to get rid of Amari. So he's either the wide receiver two on the Cowboys or presumably he goes somewhere else and becomes like the wide receiver two on their roster. And I think that holds a lot more value than where he's going because he's proven over the past couple of years that he can do it at a high level. You know, he's finished um, as a, where'd he go here? In the past, he's finished as a wide receiver 19 in standard and 22 in PPR in 2019. And then last year, he probably would have been close to that if Dak hadn't been hurt, but obviously volume and, you know, actual accuracy and things like that really trended down because his targets weren't that much off. He only, he only finished fewer with eight fewer targets. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, he can be a guy that, that gets, you know, 70, 1107 and he's wide receiver. F- what is he going as? I want to make sure I get this right. He's going as wide receiver 49 right now behind the aforementioned Pittman behind Hollywood Brown, Henry Ruggs, Will Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, Elijah Moore, Harris Marshall. Like I think I would take him above all those guys um, and really not feel bad about it at all. And I still think he has a nice year this year with Dak back. I mean, like I said, he proved he can be a wide receiver too, or you know, more likely as a wide receiver three this year. But that still has some value. Um, so I, I just think he's going way too low compared to his compatriots and those guys deserve to go ahead of him. I'm not saying that, that, you know, this isn't like a, um, just a mismatched value thing. Like I, I, those guys deserve to go ahead of him, but it shouldn't be that much of a difference. Um, so I, I'm, I'm trying to go get Gallup in a lot of places this off season, but I do think the people that have him already are aware of the situation, which is what makes it difficult. But like in drafts and stuff, he goes so late that he's, he's very much worth what, what you have to pay for him. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the key distinction there as well. Because I, I like Gallup, I do, and I think that he's a really good value in drafts. Whereas if you own him already, you're hanging on to him because if you have him, you b- probably believe in him. You know, you took him for a reason, and you're just kind of waiting until he leaves Dallas. You know, so you're like you said, you're aw- if you have him, you're aware of the situation, and you're probably going to hang on to him now. You know, during the season or, or during rookie fever, you know, you probably could have gotten him for pretty cheap during the season. You know, if he's not performing, you know, if, if um, C.D. Lamb and, and Amari Cooper are, you know, kind of showing out and they're they're both wide receiver ones, whereas Michael Gallup's like a wide receiver three for fantasy, you know, you might be able to get him at that point from somebody. 
Uh, I, don't, I don't think the time to buy is right now. No, that's but a good point. Startup, but startup, yes. No, that, that that's a very good point. You know, the the time to buy him. Maybe your draft hasn't happened yet in your league. I think it seems like I, the I know like we're, the dynasty community on Twitter is different than like the dynasty community at large. Like a lot of yeah. these places will do their draft, their rookie draft, like three weeks before the season begins or whatever. Yeah. So like, if it's a very casual league and you are like the only non-casual in your <laughs> league, that happens. I mean, yeah. you see that no, guy, no, there's, like, there's, there's guys on Twitter that are like, yeah, I just. I just destroy all my league mates because they're all dumb and like read two articles before the draft. And I'm like in this all year. Um, so that happens. And I think at that yeah. point, then yeah, you can probably still buy, but yeah, rookie, rookie hype season, probably coming to an end. Although maybe not Elijah Moore just went over Chris Godwin in a draft. So. <laughs> um, but so yeah. Um, yeah. I think that is pretty much going to do it here for this episode. Um, once again, apologize to the listeners for the delay, not to Austin. Um, you know, but keep an eye out for I, I know your favorite host is gonna be gone next week, but you know, please don't let our numbers dip. You know, it's still uh you know, it's it's we, we, we still want to get some downloads, even though I'm not gonna be on the show. You know, show Austin and mostly our guests a little bit of love. Uh, you know, whoever he's bringing on. I don't he hasn't told me who he's planning on bringing on for can't bound he has told me for uh for for campus life i believe yeah he's not they're both, they're both logged in locked in yes this they're week we'll, ha in. we'll have mike bainbridge this week and then two or three weeks from now we'll have nick pensikoff so those are our campus life fill-ins gotcha uh so so keep you know like i said despite me not being here you know still tune in um i know i will um, also tune into the rest of our pods the family of pods we did just add another one um, that is uh, Matt Bruning, um, Dennis Bennett, and Matthew Fox's show, The Fantasy Roundtable. Um, you know, so check in on that one as well. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly updating the feeds there. Alfred did just start a new pod, I believe, as well. He's, uh, it's under the Why Wait Till Sunday for the time being. So Okay, it's under Why Wait Till Sunday for the time being, but it's a new segment of sorts, um, three and out. Um, so tune into that one as well. And, and the rest of the family of pods, they're all going to be under the campus to Canton feed. Um, you know, we're, we're putting all of our family of pods in there as well. Um, I think that's all I have for news. You have anything Austin's shaking his head. No great radio. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, you know, uh, we'll be back here after this week. Uh, but like I said, be sure to be on the lookout for the show anyway. As always, I am Colin. And this is Austin. And have a good one.